Amen. All right, go ahead tonight and take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 24. Tonight, y'all, are y'all awake? Alright, I'm going to try to wake some people up tonight. Alright, some of you all are still uh, looking a little, I don't know, a little brainwashed. Uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about in the last few weeks might be a little tough to register. And you know, it's amazing how many things we have heard repeated over and over and over and over again. And they're literally stuck in our brain. And even if you're to the point now where you understand basically the timeline and you even agree that, you know, the rapture comes clearly after the tribulation, you know, the, uh, the day of the Lord is after the sun is dark and moon turned to blood. You figured all that out. You, you get that. That might even be your official position, but I still kind of, you, I can still kind of sense, I can still see some of the, uh, Puzzled looks on faces sometimes. And don't feel bad. I was there. I was there not real long ago. And it, uh, where I want to try to specifically wake you up on tonight and kind of see if I can't, you know, fix all the brainwashing of years and years of, you know, movies and preachers basically repeat, repeating movies. I want to see if I can't show you tonight what the rapture will really be like. Okay? Now, Anybody ever seen a Thief in the Night? The movie A Thief in the Night. I I have not watched that show since I was a little kid. But let me tell you, some things about that show have stuck in my head. I remember it kind of scared me. The way I remember it, and I could be dead wrong in this, but the way I remember the way I remember it, you know, the thing happens where I think it focuses on a younger lady, and all of a sudden she finds her family missing, and then you know she goes through all this tribulation stuff, and then later at the end of the movie she wakes up, and it turns out it was just a dream. But then all of a sudden she starts walking through the house. And things start playing out just like it had happened in her dream. And it turned out the rapture had come. You know, everybody disappeared. And, you know, and honestly, I believe that movie, of course, I I wasn't around, you know, I was born in 1980. But that movie and movies like that, I mean, uh, preachers now for years have been going around basically repeating those stories. And they will read a few verses. And I'm going to read some of these verses to you. And then there is a very typical left behind type story that they will tell that you all know. And you know what? It's probably still in some of your heads. Okay, It's still there a little bit. I'm not picking on you if it is. Okay, I am not picking on you, but I do want to see if I can't knock that out of your head tonight. All right? I want to see if I can't put the right thing in your head. Put a, and you know, show you what the Bible really says it's going to be like. But let me read a few verses. All right, let's just pretend we're at our typical prophecy conference, okay? And you will at a whole week-long prophecy conference. You'll hear about as much scripture as I've done in half of one of these messages. Okay, you don't hear a lot of scriptures at those at those things, but you know these guys are real good at sounding smart, looking smart. You know, maybe, I, that's why I wish I had white hair. I could convince more people of things if I had white hair and was instead of going bald. Those people look smarter. You know, if I had a cooler voice, uh, you know, maybe if I wore nicer clothes, it would make it look like I had money. And, you know, if I had more charisma, I don't know. People follow that stuff. And I'm going to show you next week, too. One of the things that's tough about this is, you know, you're like, you know, you're Tommy McMurtry. You know, you are nobody special. What makes you think you've got it right and everybody else has got it wrong? Okay? And boy, I'm glad you asked me that. And boy, I'm looking forward to answering that question for you next week because I'm going to show you from the Bible how I can claim that. And I'm just going to show you what is going on is exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. 
And it's very easy to prove from the Bible. And we're going to figure, you're going to have to make a decision. Am I a part of a denomination or am I a Bible believer? You're going to have to make that decision. A lot of people have chosen to be a part of a denomination. Okay, We claim to be independent Bible-believing Baptists around here. And every once in a while, that's going to get put to the test. And I'm going to put you to the test next week. We're going to see what happens. But anyway, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, where I'm going to talk about the rapture tonight. All right, let me be your typical prophecy preacher right now. One of these days, Jesus is going to come. Uh, it might even be before this message is over. I might not get to finish this message tonight before you all are experiencing the very things that I am talking about to you right now. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It was wicked in those days. Is it not wicked today? You know, and then I'll talk for about ten minutes on current events, and you know, I, I'm, I'm going to skip that part. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field; the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill; the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Y'all see that one taken, the other left. Left behind. Right, it doesn't use the word behind there, but that's where left behind comes from. And for years, they, everybody's taught that that was a rapture. The dispensationalists have, though, trying to protect the pre-trib argument, they have let us know that that's not our rapture, that's somebody else's rapture. Well, then where does the whole left behind thing come from? Because that's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. This is where we see one taken and another left. But uh, same time, you know, Depending on which part of end time stuff they're covering, that you know, it, it varies what these passages are referring to, depending on what they need it to refer to. Okay, if they're talking about imminency, it's talking about our rapture because you know not what hour your Lord doth come. All right, but once again, so that's a very well known passage that you'll hear at your typical prophecy conference, reminding people you don't want to get left behind one of these days, an hour you don't know, the Lord's going to come. One's going to be taking another left. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord Himself should ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then 1 Corinthians 15.51 Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And after reading all that Scripture, from those Scriptures we got right there, we get one of these days. We're going to be going along our merry way, minding our own business, at a time when you least expect it, and just all of a sudden, right before people's eyes, people are disappearing. I mean, you're standing there, and you're talking to somebody, and they're saved. Just boom, they're gone. Their clothes fall to the ground. Babies are all missing from the hospitals. Planes are crashing everywhere because all the pilots are saved, apparently. You know, car, you know, cars are crashing. You know, uh, you know, thunder's rolling. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, where, you know, everybody's looking for each other, trying to find out what's going on. Just chaos, mayhem. Nobody knows what's happened. Everybody's trying to figure out what's happened. Everybody's looking for answers. They go to the government for answers and somebody comes along. And steps forward and he gives the people the answers. But he doesn't, they don't realize this person is really the Antichrist. He will bring peace to the earth for a short time. He will go and he'll get the Jews and the Muslims to get along. And they will make a deal to build the temple. 
And boy, there'll be peace on earth for a little while. And but then, after three and a half years, the Antichrist he's going to come in there and he's going to desecrate that temple. He's going to show you really isn't. He's going to go after God's chosen people, the Jews, and then they're going to realize that turns out this is the Antichrist. He was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. And they're going to go find those Bibles that the Baptists have been leaving all over the place over there. And they're going to start reading them. And then there's going to be 144,000 Jews that are going to get saved. And they're just going to evangelize the world. There's going to be a revival like no other. And finally, Armageddon's going to come. And you know, it, 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 And the story improves all the time. And they pretty much get all that from that. You know, the 144,000, I wish I had time to deal with that. Uh, I might touch on a little bit of that tonight. They, I mean, they're really stretching with that. I mean, really. I get accused of stretching for what my theory is on the 144,000, and I'm not even coming close to the stretch that they make to get that. But at the same time, even if you consider yourself, you know, a pre-wrath or post-trib person, you still kind of have a lot of that in your mind, all right? I see it in your face, all right? Some of y'all think it's going to happen. You, you still think the rapture is going to be like this secret thing. People aren't going to know what hit them. No, that is, that is not how it is. Most of you think if the rapture came right now, people are going to disappear. You, you think that, all right? Because you've heard that a thousand times. But does anybody see anything about disappearing in those passages? Yep, yep, yep. In a moment of twinkling of an eye. Uh, it doesn't say you're going to disappear. It says you're going to be changed in a moment of twinkling of an eye. And let's go ahead and let's start putting things together based on what the Bible says. And let's see what it's like. Because the truth is, that story I told you about the rapture is incredibly lame. Honestly, that's not that cool. Just walking along, strolling through the park one day, and then all of a sudden, boom! Gone. That's not that exciting. I mean, that... That actually is incredibly boring compared to what the Bible teaches. Because let's just be honest. You know what? Right now, if, you know, if Mr. Prophecy Preacher that's out there going around telling these stories to everybody, when he's telling these stories to people, he's got most of the people listening to that story, or a lot, many of them, many of them, they don't really care because they don't want Jesus to come right now. They could care less if Jesus came right now. And many of them don't. Some people don't want Jesus to come right now. Well, I don't want Jesus to come right now. He's up to say it could be tonight. It could be tonight before the service is over. And they're like, please, not before the service is over. We're going on a vacation next week. And I want to go to Disney World first. You know, that's how that's how people are. And then you got somebody else in the church. Oh, please, please let it be. They're the real spiritual ones. Oh, please, Lord, come today because I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this week. You know, oh, Lord, you know, please, you know, please come today. And they're the real spiritual ones, but it's really because, you know, my wife's driving me crazy and I want her to hurry up and get glorified so she won't bug me anymore. That's what they're really thinking. Do you really think that that's what Jesus wants when he returns? That's not what he wants at all. Do you, don't, do you think those people are looking for his coming? They're, oh, I'm ready for his return. I'm ready for his return just because I hate my life. Is that what it means to be ready for his return? That's not even close, but that is your average Christian today. And they do. They see the rapture as an escape hatch from all the problems that their sin has gotten them into. And I'm not going to repeat the message from a couple weeks ago, but thank God he is going to allow a time before he comes that is going to help get us in line and purify us before he returns. And so let's look at what the Bible says. 
Because I, I do. I want to. I want to try to. I want to try to fix you tonight. All right. I want to try to break you out of the brainwashing that you're in. What is the rapture really going to be like? Turn to Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 17. And I, I've kind of used this example already, but basically, I want you to think of the tribulation as the birth pains, okay? A woman, before she has her baby, she starts having those contractions, all right? They're painful contractions, but those contractions are preparing her body to deliver that baby, okay? And they call, they call those things birth pains, okay? In the Bible, it uses a term many times for what a woman goes through as sorrow. You know, Jesus told, or God told Eve in the garden, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. God made it painful for women to have babies. Remember what it says in uh, Matthew chapter 24 when it's talking about the tribulation. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Okay? It's, think of the tribulation as birth pains preparing us for the big event. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 17, it says, oh, I lost my pager. Isaiah chapter, it says, like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. Right there, where the earth is casting out the dead. What is that? Okay? What happens when Jesus Christ returns? The dead in Christ shall rise. I believe this is a reference to the rapture. He's talking about the birth pains that were before, but he says, you know, my dead body, Isaiah knew he was going to be dead when that day came. But he also knew that he was going to resurrect in that day. But before that, there are these birth pains, but then there's the resurrection, the rapture, where God takes us up to heaven before he pours his indignation out in this world. Okay, so right there, clearly, I believe a passage to the rapture. And so it mentions the birth pains before that, the earth casting out the dead. That's the resurrection day or the rapture that was revealed later that there would be some who would be alive and remain that day. Obviously, everybody back then is dead now. But then Isaiah chapter 13, look at Isaiah chapter 13. So we have the birth pains that lead up to the big event, the rapture. And I mentioned this before, how, you know, women, they look forward to having their babies, don't they? Even though it means there's going to be a great deal of pain before they have that baby. Allie heard me talking about that and she started questioning her mom about that. You know, Allie's our little worry wart in the family and she's all scared to death now about having kids someday because it hurts. And so my, and so she found out about epidurals and she's already got one scheduled. She's already planning on doing that because she doesn't want to go through all the pain of having a baby. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, little kids, you know, what, what are you going to do? But yeah, that, that got to worry. But that, that's just a fact. OK. And you know, what? I remember when Cassandra was going to have Tommy, when it started getting close, I remember getting kind of worried about it. You know, 
think, man, this is a very painful thing. And I remember I got kind of scared. But then all of a sudden, I was like, you know what? There are billions of people in this world. And they all got here the same way. This happens all the time. And I kind of comforted myself with that. This is, this is a normal thing, you know, having a baby and everything. But, um, but you know, once again, a woman, though, she doesn't mind that pain because she knows what's going to come. But imagine, and many women have faced this before, and it's always tragic. Imagine going through all those birth pains. Imagine delivering a baby and it not surviving. Now that... You know, that, that's very sorrowful. I mean, to go through all that and then for and, and many people have faced that. Thank God we've never dealt with that. Uh, but I, I can't imagine how tragic that would be. And you know what? God compares what the world goes through during the wrath of God as that too. They go through birth pains that are kind of preparing them for the big event. Because that's where people get confused sometimes. Because especially in the Old Testament, all the day of the Lord references, it always seems to be like an Armageddon reference. It's Armageddon, Armageddon, Armageddon. But understand, Armageddon, it's kind of the main event. And all the other things that we learn about in Revelation that happen leading up to Armageddon, those are the birth pains that you would say that's preparing them for the big event, which is that great battle of Armageddon. And so look what Isaiah chapter 13 says. It says, How ye for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all the hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. Remember that. No stars in the sky when that happens. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even as a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place and the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now, all of those things that are mentioned, they don't all happen on the same day. But once again, that big event, Armageddon, that's the main thing. And so the way you can kind of look at, you know, the final seven years, you kind of have three and a half years of tribulation that we go through that are kind of our birth pains leading up to the big event of Jesus Christ coming back. And what a wonderful thing that's going to be when we go through all that and then meet the Lord. You know what? After the tribulation... Everybody's going to be look, everybody that's saved is going to be looking for Jesus Christ. Nobody's going to be worrying about their Disney World vacations. You know, nobody's worrying about their plans and hoping the Lord delays his coming. No, we're all going to be crying out for the Lord to come in that day. We will be looking for him at that time when it means our life. When it means death, you know, it's like people have said, oh, you know, it's not fair dying for our faith. Well, I mean, why in the world would we, that's really, the world is not going to be a place that's fit to inhabit when the wrath of God's poured out. If we die during the tribulation, we only missed a few years. And then the years after that are just 
years you don't want to be here. You know, it's not, you know, people's, people's mindsets are so messed up on this because they're just so stinking carnal. They're so worldly. And, it, and a lot of people, they don't right now, they don't want Jesus Christ to come. But they will during that time. Jesus is preparing us. He's getting us ready. He's purifying us. We're not gonna, we're not gonna have time to be all caught up in all our carnality. You think, you know, you know, you hear preach sometimes, you know, watch out that, for that gossiping. You know, Jesus might return just as you're gossiping. Well, actually, nobody's, you know, you're not gonna have time to go around gossiping when you're going through tribulation. You know, this is good. This is getting us ready. God is trying to, He's trying to purify us because He's coming and He's bringing His rewards with Him. And He's given us a chance to get our act together. Thank God for that. Like I said, you might, that might, I know that's foreign to a lot of people, but that's where you need to listen to the time of Jacob's trouble message. That's what the Bible teaches. And so, you know, these, uh, you know, after all these things we've gone through, we, and when we know what is coming, what Jesus will be a welcome sight unlike never before. Sadly, right now, if we took a poll and everyone was honest in churches across America today, if you ask them, do you want Jesus to return right now? If they were honest, they'd say no. Why? Because they've got other things they want to do first. They're so caught up with the things of this world. And that's sad. You know, many Christians, they, they would, they prefer he didn't, he did not come. So when Jesus comes, understand we're going to be looking for him. We're going to be, we're going to be ready. We're going to want him to come. Obviously there are people, the Bible talks about that aren't ready, that aren't looking, that aren't watching. There's going to be people who are not serving the Lord that are all caught up in carnality. They're caught up in worldliness and they might not realize what's coming. People who are going to be compromising. People who are sleeping spiritually. I don't want that to be me. I don't, I don't believe I'm sleeping right now. But understand, the people that Jesus surprises are those who are sleeping or those who are lost. We are not in darkness that that day should overtake us as a thief. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. So, when Jesus Christ comes, understand too, it is not this secret thing where when we just, you know, Boom, just all of a sudden we're thrown to the park one day and boom, gone. That's not what the Bible teaches. And the world's all you know, wondering, what's going on? What happened to all these people? That's not what the Bible teaches. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him, and all that kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him, even so, Amen. Okay, Notice that. He says, every eye is going to see him when he comes. But but then but a lot of people are wailing. Well, why are they wailing? Why are they scared if they don't know what's coming? No, it's because they do see who's coming. They know that they are in trouble. But you know what? I love what John says, even so, amen. Let him come. He was ready for him. And you know what? It's going to be bad for the rest of this world, but you know what? I'm ready. I say, even so, amen. So be it. Let it happen. Let him come right now. Every eye will see him. Matthew chapter 24, verse 27 says, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Lightning's pretty noticeable, isn't it? Okay? Yeah, it happens fast, but it's very noticeable. We all like watching it. For wheresoever the carcasses, there, there will the eagles be gathered together immediately after the tribulation of those days. The sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. 
and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. That's, uh, we read about that in Isaiah. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They will see Him too. They will see Him coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. People are like, no, this is Armageddon. That's Armageddon. No, whenever you see Jesus Christ returning for us, the rapture, He's always coming on a cloud. When He comes in Armageddon, He's coming on a white horse. Alright, that, that, how do you know which is which? If He's on a cloud, it's the rapture. If He's on a white horse, it's Armageddon. Okay, He's in the clouds here. And He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. So notice, this is something everybody is going to see. He's going to send His angels and they're going to gather us up. Okay? It doesn't say we're going to disappear. It says we're going to be gathered up. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, And when He had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Earthquakes. Very noticeable, aren't they? Good way to get somebody's attention. An earthquake. If we started experiencing an earthquake right now, nobody's going to pay a bit of attention to my preaching. Everybody's going to start grabbing on to something. What do we do? What do we do? No matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, earthquakes always get everybody's attention, don't they? Everybody. And the stars of heaven shall fall into the earth. Or uh, verse 12. Yeah, earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. That's going to be noticeable too. Well, what if we're somewhere where it's already dark and we can't see the sun? Well, maybe you'll probably see the moon. And you're going to see a red moon. And you're going to look, and you're not going to see stars. And if you're in an area where the part of the world where the sun's at, it's going to be black. It's going to be dark. You're not going to be able to see. Why is it so dark? God's trying to get our attention. God, He is, Jesus Christ is about to make a grand interest. Does this sound like a secret rapture to you? Sun being darkened, moon turning to blood, earthquake. These things are going to get everybody's attention. In verse 13, stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree cast their untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. I love that verse there. The heaven departed as a scroll. The sky opened up. It What's that going to look like? I don't know. But I, I can imagine what that's going to look like. All of a sudden, we've got a dark sky with no stars. And all of a sudden, it parts back. It rolls back. In another verse, it mentions like as you open like a curtain. It, like it bows. It bends. There's this opening in the sky that everybody's going to be able to see. Does this, is, isn't this so much cooler than the Left Behind story? Just everybody strolling through the park one day in a merry, merry month of May and then boom! Disappear? This slaughters that. The sky opens up. I, I don't believe that. Well, you all need to stop singing it as well with my soul. And Lord hates the day when my face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. Okay, that... When does that happen? That happens at this event when the sun's dark and the moon turned to blood. The heavens, they depart as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. This is a big earthquake. 
And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is coming. Who shall be able to stand? They know who he is. Hide us from the face of the Lamb. They know what's going on. The whole world sees it. So think about this, okay? We have gone through this time of trouble like never before. We uh, have been, we're being persecuted. We're being hunted down by the Antichrist. We're trying to survive for our very life. And we know during that whole time that it's only a matter of time and Jesus Christ is coming back. I mean, we're watching for Him. I hope when this happens, I hope that they are just about ready to cut my head off right before He comes back. I, I hope so. I mean, boy, I'm really going to be looking for Him right then. And all of a sudden, man, they're about ready to cut my head off. And then all of a sudden, it gets real dark. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'll start dancing right there. Alright? I mean, all of a sudden, it gets dark. All of a sudden, an earthquake gets going. All of a sudden, you look up in the sky and all of a sudden now the stars are falling. The stars are falling. It's completely black in the sky. And then here it comes. It opens up. It opens up. Jesus Christ shows up. I see him. And when I see him, something's going to happen, folks. Something is going to happen. And you know what's going to happen? In a twinkling of an eye. Now I'm going to disappear. In a twinkling of an eye, I'm going to change. That's what the Bible says. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That's what, that's what the Bible says. I'm going to be changed. For what, what's, what's happening? Why am I being changed? Well, 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment of twinkling of an eye. I'm going to be changed. When I see him, something's going to happen. I am going to change. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. If you study the glorious appearing, the, this pastor, and the blessed hope, that blessed hope, it's not... People said, blessed hope, that's, that's a rapture. True. But the blessed hope is not... Jesus taking us away from all our problems, that blessed hope is the fact that we will be like Christ one day. And when does that happen? I preached a message a while back on that about the blessed hope and glorious appearing. And I showed how the blessed hope is a reference to us being like Christ, which happens to happen when we see Him at His appearing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... People try to say the glorious appearing, that's Armageddon. No, it's not. When Jesus Christ, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. First John 2.28 And now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we have conf- may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, 
And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You all see that? Well, what about everybody else? What about the rest of the world when they see him? How come when they see him, they're not going to be like him? You know why? Because they haven't received the gift of salvation. They haven't believed. They rejected that. Verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. It ought to be the goal of every one of us to be as much like Christ as possible when He returns. And thank God, He is going. there's going to be a time of purification that's going to kind of help us out. Because let's just be honest, we need it. Okay, Most Christians today, pretty sorry, should be embarrassed if Jesus Christ came today. Thank God He's going to be good enough to give us a time to kind of get us in line. And I know that's tough for a lot of people. That might seem like you know new territory, but it's all over the Scriptures. And if it's in the Scripture, it's not new. Okay? You know, they say if it's true, it's not new. Alright? And that, that's true. So, it happens at His appearing. That's what it says. At His appearing. That's when we'll be like Him. At His appearing. Why? Because we will see Him. We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. Well, what moment? I believe the moment when we see Him. All of a sudden, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if this is going to be a process of hours, minutes, seconds, where the sun's dark and moon turn to blood, the stars fall, the earthquake. I don't know how long it's going to last. Okay, But I do know when it all starts going down, the Bible teaches I me mean, the sky will be black. The sky will open up. Every eye is going to see Jesus And those of us who look for Him, those of us who are saved, when He appears, we will be like Him. There will be a change that is going to take place. And when we change, what's that change going to look like? And I think this is interesting too, because notice the Bible says the stars fall from heaven. Okay? So keep that in mind. We've got a black sky up there. The stars have fallen. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 we have the story of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ where he goes, they go, he, they, he goes with Peter, James, and John up in the mountain and it says, and was transfigured before them and His face did shine as the sun and His raiment was white as the light. Y'all see that? Jesus' face shined like the sun. His garment was white like light. Okay? Now this happened in the daytime when the sun's out. You know, in a high mountain all by themselves. The world didn't notice this event. Okay? But that's what happened to Jesus. Many people believe Jesus basically took on His heavenly form at that time. And the Bible says when Jesus Christ returns, we will be like Him. We'll like Him in the earthly form or the heavenly form. Well, I think we can get the answer to that. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the archangel, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You all see that? We're going to shine like the stars. Those who believe, those who... Once again, the rapture hasn't been revealed for those who are alive and remain, but those who awake 
to righteousness. Those who are dead in Christ, when He comes, the graves are going to open. They will, see, they will see Him. They will come back to life. And they will see Him. And they will also shine like the brightness of the firmament. So think about it. Okay? It's dark in the sky. We've seen Jesus. All of a sudden, we've been changed to a body like Christ. We are shining like the sun. We see what the world's going to see. They're not going to see you just disappear. They're going to all if if they're probably going to be paying attention to the sky. But all of a sudden, if they're looking at you, you're going to look different. You're going to shine. And then, at some point, I don't know how long this all lasts. Somebody's coming to get you. The angels are coming to snatch you away. We Bible says in First Thessalonians four seventeen, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Uh, Matthew chapter twenty four and verse 30, uh, 20, uh, 31 says he's going to send his angels to gather his elect. They're going to gather us up. How are the angels going to know which ones to get? Well, it's going to be pretty obvious when it's dark out. It's the ones that are shining like the sun. It's going to be real easy for them to know which ones to get. And so think about it. We got a black sky with an opening. Jesus Christ, stars are gone, and then all of a sudden, in its place, we've got bodies shooting up all over the place. We will shine like the stars. You know, there's songs that talk about that, and that's exactly what, that's exactly what the Bible teaches. And then we will meet the Lord in the air. What we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we will meet Him in the air. And we will, we're gonna, we're gonna see Him. And, I mean, Man, just imagine what that's going to look like. And the world will be terrified. They will be terrified. And we don't have time to go through all the examples of this, but you know, we've got all these people going around that are teaching that there's going to be this great revival that takes place after that. No, actually, there's not. Bible says that God's going to send them a strong delusion. They'll believe a lot. They might all be damned. I don't know what that strong delusion is going to be, but the Bible tells us, though, when you go through and you read Revelation, after God starts pouring His wrath out, you know what it says? It says they blaspheme Him. They blaspheme Him. It's constantly, every time it's talking about all these things, they just keep blaspheming Him. They're not getting right. They're not getting saved. They are defying Him. They're blaspheming Him. That is what they do. Why won't they get saved? After all that, why won't they get saved? The Holy Spirit's not speaking to them. The Holy Spirit's not drawing them. You can't come unless the Holy Spirit draw you. God is he, he is now going to pour His wrath out. How many people got saved during Sodom and Gomorrah after God took His people out? None. He destroyed them. That's what the wrath of God's all about. How many people died during the flood besides those that God put in the ark? None. They all died. Okay. And how many of these people are going to get saved during that time? None. And you're like, oh, well, you know, the 144,000 Jews. Well, I said, I don't have time to show everything on this, but I believe, and I've showed you this before, Revelation 7 is where I think we see the rapture. But right before you see that multitude that appears in heaven, right before that is where they seal 144,000. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. I personally believe, because if you look in chapter 14... You see the 144,000 on Mount Zion with the Lamb, Jesus Christ. 
What are they doing with Jesus Christ in Mount Zion, which is it's clearly the heavenly Mount Zion. Jesus isn't on earth during that time. These 144,000, I believe they're saved Old Testament saints that God sends back to basically, they're like the ones, it's like they're basically charging the world. You know, whenever you get busted for something, they always have to charge you with that crime. You know, when you go to court, you know, they're going to say, this is, you know, they're going to let you know. What do they call that exactly? Where they're letting you know? I guess just charging you. This is what you're being tried for. And we're all gone, but I believe God sends them back down to earth to let the world know what's going on. You say, that's pretty far-fetched. That's pretty sure that's good. God's sending 144,000 people back down. Well, we all believe that He's sending two down in Jerusalem. Moses and Elijah, He's going to send them down during that time and they're going to preach. You know, people aren't going to listen. They're going to torch some of the people. That's going to be pretty cool. They're going to, you know, cause plagues to come, uh, keep it from raining for three and a half years, all that. But I believe God sends those other 144,000 basically into the rest of the world to just kind of let them, basically just pronounce a judgment. So why would he do that? Well, why did God have Ezekiel go preach to Israel? God told, you know, if God told Ezekiel, hey, go preach to Israel. They're not going to listen to you, but go, go prophesy to them. Go tell them what I want you to say. And you know what? God's doing that with the world. God's letting them know what's going on. They're still not going to get saved. They're going to be too busy blaspheming God. But I don't believe people get saved after the rapture. And I, I don't think you can make a good argument anywhere in the, in the Bible with that. Because God, he's, he's here to pour His wrath out. They had their chance to get right. It's too late. And so, when Jesus Christ returned, what, after we get caught up in the sky, what happens after that? Well, Revelation chapter 22, and verse 12, it says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. The quick, the, lot, the living, and the dead. Verse, um, verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. 1 Peter 5, 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Hebrews 9.27, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You all see that? Jesus Christ, when He, he comes, the first thing that's going to happen, we're going to be judged. And thank God, we've had a time where we've kind of been purified a little bit. We've gotten a chance to maybe straighten our act out a little bit. Some people won't. Some people still aren't going to be ready, even after going through the time of Jacob's trouble, they're still going to be so carnal, they're still going to be so worldly, they're still not going to get their act together. That's, that's ridiculous, but that doesn't surprise me one bit. way I know Christians. That doesn't surprise me at all. I, I, I have no doubt there's going to be a lot of people like that. But um, 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or or bad. So right there, it's very clear when Jesus Christ returns, the first thing that's going to happen, we're going to stand before Him and we're going to be rewarded. And so, for some people, that's going to be exciting. For some, not so much. Some people, it's not going to be 
Uh, it's, it's not going to be that great of an event. But thank God, though, that judgment takes place right after that time of purification. After the time of Jacob's trouble. That would be the best time for it. That's when Christians seem to do their best when under persecution. When you live in a blessed country like America where you we're just spoiled, rotten, Christians are pretty sorry. And Christians are pretty sorry in America today. I wish I could say Baptists were an exception, but we're not. We stink. Alright? Bad. And, you know, God loves us and He wants us to be able to enjoy these, you know, blessings for all eternity and He is, He's gonna, He's gonna give us a chance to, and, and don't wait for that time, by the way. Okay? That's foolish. This stuff's all gonna happen fast. If you can't get it right now, you will not then either. I, I promise you, if you can't live right now, today, in 2017, in America, when it all starts going bad, you won't get, you're, you're not going to get your act together. You're going to be one of those people that you're going to be in denial about what's going on. You're going to be asleep at it's coming. It's not going to work for you. But thank God when He comes, we survive judgment thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Okay? What gets us into heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. Not our works. But the Bible says that we're going to be judged according to our works. What's that all about? Because our works do earn us rewards, don't they? We're not, we don't do good works so we can go to heaven or because we owe God because of heaven. Salvation's free. Therefore, how can we owe anything on it? We don't owe, we don't owe anything for salvation. But if we want rewards, we have to work for those things. We do need to do good. We need to obey the commandments. We do need to be witnessing. And God, when He comes, He's bringing His rewards with Him. We are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to be rewarded according to our works. And it's the blood, but the blood of Christ though, that's what qualifies us to get taken up. Not baptism, not church membership. There's some groups out there that think it's the rapture of the church. Therefore, you have to be a part of the church. Therefore, that means you have to be baptized and it's got to be a real legitimate church. Therefore, it has to be a Baptist church and not just a Baptist church. You know, you have to have been baptized in the Baptist church and it's got to be a Baptist church that can trace itself all the way back to John the Baptist. You know, I, I don't want to get into that tonight. But no, it's the blood of Christ. And real quickly, turn back to, turn to Exodus 19. I don't think most people... You know, there's so many things we miss out on because we're just lazy in our Bible study. But you know, Exodus chapter 19, I wish I had time to read through this whole chapter, but I don't think we understand the significance of Exodus chapter 19 and chapter 20 where we get the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 19, it says, uh, after they came to the wilderness of Sinai, verse 2, um, well, let's, let's start reading in verse 3. It says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thou... Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then shall ye be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. All those things God promised them they would be. Peter said, we were those things. And... He said, we are, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Peter said all that about us. God told them here, if they would obey his words and keep his covenant, they would be all those things. 
Now, did they keep all those things? If they would have obeyed the old covenant, they would be everything we are today. But how did we get where we are today? How did we get clean? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Not our works. Not by the old covenant. By the new covenant. Not by the covenant from Mount Sinai. But the covenant of Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem. Verse 7 says, And Moses came and called the elders out of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded them. And the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Like, we can do this. We can obey God. We can keep His commandments. We're going to do it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Tell them to clean up their act. I'm coming for them. I'm coming for them to bring them to me. Tell them to get themselves ready. Go wash your clothes. Clean yourselves up. And, set, and it says in verse uh, 12, And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up unto the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not a hand touch it. And ye shall be surely stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man. It shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. The Bible says we're going up at the last trump. This right here, this is the first trump, I believe. The first time trumpets ever mentioned in the Bible is right here in this story. And Moses went down from the mountain of the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain. God shows up in a cloud. There's thunders and lightnings. We see that in Revelation chapter 6. And the voice of the trumpet, exceeding loud, the trumpet sounded. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was all together on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly. We got an earthquake too. We read about that in Revelation 6, didn't we? God is getting ready to gather His people He's getting ready to gather a people to Himself just like we see in Revelation. But something happens. He doesn't gather them. He doesn't get them. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain. Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, Go down, charge the people as they break through unto the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. Don't let them come up. This is just my opinion. I personally think while that trumpet was sounding, the angels were ready to go down and gather them up, but they, nobody was shining. Nobody was worthy. They were all dirty. A holy God was in a mountain. There was no way with the effort that they had done. They did their best to clean themselves up. They said, we're going to follow the Lord. We're going to obey His commandments. They cleaned themselves up. The trumpet sounded, but the Lord would not let the angels gather them up. You know why? Because your own efforts to clean yourself up, you're still dirty. You, you, don't, you don't deserve to go to heaven. You can't be in the presence of a holy God. And God, if anybody even touches that mountain, they're going to die. Kill them. Don't even let them touch the base of the mountain. And then Mo, but Mo, God allowed, told Moses, you can come up to the mountain. 
Moses goes up to the mountain and in Exodus chapter 20, God gives him the Ten Commandments. God gives Moses the law. And he, you know what he was trying to do? They, I think they probably thought they did a good job. They're like, man, we're ready. Boy, we're, our clothes are clean. We took a bath. We haven't come at our wives, like I said. You know, we're ready to go to be with God. But God's like, no way. I'm not, I'm not taking you. And God gave them a law to show them this is what you've got to do to be worthy to be in my presence. So they would hopefully see we can't do that. We are not. We are not good enough. We are not capable of that kind of goodness. And I personally believe what we see there that day was an attempt to rapture a people. Now, obviously, God knew it wasn't going to work. But God was trying to teach them something here. And you know what? The next time the Lord shows up in the clouds, the next time the trumpet sounds, there will be some people the angels can gather. There will be some people shining, and it's those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because of our works, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.21 Tell me ye that desire to be under the law. Do ye not hear the law? we still got some people today that think they're going to go to heaven because of how good they are. Do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, or Hagar as the Old Testament calls her. The first covenant was from Mount Sinai, that just gendereth to bondage. It doesn't work. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Hey, I don't, I don't descend from Sarah physically as far as I know. I don't, but I, I do spiritually. I am saved by the new covenant of Jesus' blood. The new covenant, the New Testament. Jesus said, take, drink. This is my body. This is the new, or this is my blood. This is the New Testament. That new covenant that He made, it is what cleans us up and will make us worthy so one day, when the trumpet sounds again, He will be able to call us up to heaven. And I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to that day. Thank God for the blood of Christ. Thank God the next time the trumpet sounds at the last trump, we will be able to go up and what an amazing thing that's going to be. So once again, get yourself out of this mindset. It's not strolling through the park one day and boom, disappear. No. Time of trouble. You're going to be looking for Him. You're going to be waiting for Him. It's going to get dark. The sun's going to be black. The moon's going to be red like blood. The stars are going to fall. All of a sudden, the sky opens up. We are changed. We are have, now have a body like Christ. We shine. We get caught up by the angels with the Lord in the air. I don't know about you. I think that story slaughters any that you're going to hear from these left behind preachers. Why didn't they, why didn't they write that left behind? That would have been a whole lot cooler. I think they might have even sold 70 million copies. I forgot how many it was. I saw it like 60 million. It's crazy how much they sold. But that's what, that's what the Bible teaches. That's how I believe it's all going to happen. Is it all going to happen exactly like you said? I, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. My theory has way more Scripture than these other people's. And you have to admit that. And so, I don't know about you, but I hope this gets you excited for that day. That's what the rapture is really going to be like. Wake up! Alright? 
brainwashing over, all right? Hopefully, I, uh, hopefully I fixed y'all tonight. That's what it's really going to be like. It is going to be something to behold, be watching. Get yourself ready right now. Be ready today. Because if you can't, if you can't handle it today, you will not be able to handle it during that time. Get yourself ready. So with that, let's all stand together.